Welcome to the Kings of Sports, the program that's changing the game one show at a time. With your hosts, Nate Milton. Yes! And Marcus Vandenberg. Let's So sit back and relax, because you're now Down with the Kings. Kings of Sport, the program changing the game one show at a time, aka the world's most dangerous sports show, aka iTunes' longest running weekly episodic program produced and hosted by two or more African Americans who are not affiliated with a major network. I'm your host, the Godfather Nate Milton. We've got a lot to talk about this week, a lot of basketball talk, both on the court and off of the court in the court in the case of uh one outspoken former NBA player. We're also going to take a look back at the ramifications of America's come to Jesus moment, I would say, when it comes to race. Uh, one year later, after the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. Um, so, yeah, we got a lot, lot to get into this week, so we're not going to waste any time. Let me bring in my co-host, my tag team partner. He, he hailed from the City of Angels. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Marcus. It, it got real quiet in here, man. It just got real quiet. Vanderberg, what's going on, brother? What's up, Nate? How you doing? Good, man. Good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure... I'm not doing as well as you, though, because this seems like it's been a big week for you, brother, that, you know, people are getting vaccinated, restrictions are being lifted, uh, Ice Trey is out here doing big things in the playoffs. This is the perfect time for a Trey Young impersonator such as yourself to go out here and make this money, brother. Do not insult my hair line like that. My hair is... <laughs> Much better than than Trey situation. At, what, what? That's the, like I love Trey Young, man. That's my guy, Trey the Barge, Atlanta Hawks all day. But how you that young and your hair look that old? <laughs> his hair seems—he's been through some things. His hair. He's seen some things. <laughs> yeah. I, he's had a dilemma though because obviously you know you, you have some curls going on, so you wanna you wanna hold on to that, but also it's you know it's it's out in some spots so. Do you go bald? Do you at least tuck the hair so it's not as <laughs> noticeable? Or I don't, I don't know what you do there. I think you either go high and tight, mm-hmm. or you go for the uh, hair system situation. D- does that work for <laughs> hair of his texture? That's a very good question because we we've seen. That, you know, obviously it, it works for, you know, uh, the, the hair of our Caucasian brothers. And we've seen 
in the case of uh, Kenyon Martin. Was it Kenyon Martin? Who had the... Um... Yes. The little spray joint. No, not Kenyon. Sorry, Kenyon Martin. Who was it? Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer. Carlos yes, yes, Boozer yes. had the little, yeah, the spray joint. So we've seen like those are two opposite ends of the uh, spectrum, and Trey is kind of in the middle. So I don't know if there's a system, if there's a hair club for men for light-skinned brothers. I like the high and tight. I, I can see that maybe working, but the problem is I think the, the issue is, is towards the top. So <laughs> if, if he's if it, if he's coming home, if he's coming home to the top, there's no there's no saving you. That's that's the worst place to to start that process. This is gonna sound bad, Marcus. I feel like we've already engaged in enough Trey Young slander, but and we like when, Trey. Look, I'm wearing look, I'm wearing a Trey DeBarge yes. shirt. Yeah, we we love that man Trey DeBarge. But here's the thing, Marcus. Like before the game, Trey like he looks fine. Like the hair looks fine. It's when he's active and out here getting 32 points, 10 assists, and seven boards. When you do that post game interview. And you're out here looking like Kelsey Grandma, looking like Frazier. <laughs> it's not a good look, bro. Yeah. But luckily, the, the hair doesn't matter. What matters is what he does on the court. That's right. And, it's, what's, um, it's about what's inside, not what's on the he, top side. He was able to, to silence the Knicks fans, so that 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 is all that matters. Yeah. So let let's start here, Marcus. NBA playoffs. That is your uh, field of expertise working with the good people at Yahoo Sports. So let's talk some NBA because I I predicted that the Hawks would win this first round, and, you know, obviously it's only been one game. But what did you see in that matchup? Do, do you feel like this is the Hawks series to lose, or do you think that New York is going to push back and we'll see more out of uh, R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle and them boys? On paper, the Hawks are the better team. Um, mm. They have more talent. They're deeper. So I, I wasn't surprised at the Hawks winning. I think the line, too, was I think the Hawks were maybe a one-point underdog on Sunday. So they just saw it pretty even. Um, I think the Hawks are going to win this series. I just don't think the Knits have enough talent to beat Atlanta, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're down 0-1 going into... Wednesday's game isn't a good sign for the Knicks because if you're down 0-2, this team winning, you know. Going to Atlanta where they're going to The Hawks have been a strong home team for most of the season. Especially, I mean, historically, especially during the playoffs, that that was sort of their their time to shine when it it came to the fans. A a city that, you know, we made fun of Atlanta sports fans, but for the Hawks, at least, they do show up when it – when it matters, so um, I would expect the full crowd at State Farm. Uh, I just would be on Saturday, and um, yeah, I think also Trey Young. I think he has gotten to the head of the heads of the, the people in New York, whether mm. it's Knicks fans. Uh, I hope not Knicks players for their own sake. We saw Mayor Bill de Blasio today come out and, and dedicate precious time discussing <laughs> Trey Young's basketball game, which if you're if you're a, a taxpayer in the city of New York and you're watching Mayor de Blasio 
you know, breaking down Trey Young's game and, and, you know, him maybe embellishing on calls. Like, what are we doing? Why, why are we paying this, paying for this? <laughs> so I, I think it has made Trey Young a star just off that one performance, which. Yes. One game. Like, that, that's so game. crazy. Like, cause yeah. I, you know, I listen to sports radio from, you know, all over, Marcus, and just the, the vitriol from these New York stations. Like, he's the new villain. He's the new Reggie Miller off of one game. Like, so I think you're right. Like, there's something, you know, not to overstate it, but Trey Young's in their head. He's, he's at least under their skin. And people at least know who Trey Young is. You know, I think basketball fans definitely know who Trey Young is. But if you're a casual basketball fan who's watching the playoffs, he might not be familiar with Trey Young. Just because, you know, the Hawks until this year haven't been relevant. Even in this year. The Hawks have been good, but they weren't on national TV. No one was really talking about the Hawks. So this is Atlanta's chance to sort of be on that national platform and for Trey to do that in game one, to, you know, hit the game winner, to to silence the crowd. (laughs) They had that little – him, you know, walking um, back to the locker room and recording that little video that the Hawks tweeted out. Like, (laughs) this is all – Building up to this is how you build a, a superstar, and it, yeah. you know he can you can be a quote unquote villain, but um, at least people know who Trey Young is, and that's all that matters. And and it's funny because you talk about the Hawks this season, and you and I have discussed a lot about how they were under Lord Lloyd Pierce, and how they are now under the tutelage of Nate McMillan, and how they've just been a different squad under Nate McMillan. And I also think getting healthy was a key too. And so when you just look at these teams on paper, the Hawks should be the favorites. When you talk about Trey Young, who might be the best player on either team in this series. When you talk about, you know, Gallo and Bogey and Collins, Capella, uh, Capella, like they, they got like, they're not New York. uh, They're not uh, Brooklyn Nets or, 76ers or even the Bucks. Like I think they are where they are for a reason. They're on that next level, but they're a good team. Yeah, they are they are very solid and you know, they're they're not the top 3. They they per, they fit perfectly at 4 and if they want to take that net sweep next season, they they're going to somehow need to improve this offseason in terms of adding another piece, but mm-hmm. you know, Capella is a Top ten center, uh, Trey Young is a top ten point guard. Uh, John Collins is a, I think, a top probably fifteen power. Have some some solid pieces there, and when you when you add in, um, Badanovich, who the second half of the season he's been great. Yeah, Lou Williams has been a great fit for them from from the Rondo trade. Exactly. Look, I told you, I told you last time, Marcus. I didn't even want Bogey. I thought. I didn't, I didn't want Bogey. I thought we overpaid for Gallo, but yeah. they, I, they proved me wrong. And then DeAndre, have, DeAndre Hunter took a leap this season in mm-hmm. his game. Um, Kevin Herter is someone who's probably pretty underrated. No one talks about. Red he's Velvet. Been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been very consistent since coming out of Maryland. So they have some pieces there. Yeah. like It's just going to be because because I think their ceiling, Marcus, is the second round this year. But the question is, in this, in this, in this offseason, what can you do to take that next step? Is there a player that you can get to pair up with Trey to get to that next step? Because I, 
I think, like, and I, I don't know how you would feel about this, Marcus, uh, in, in terms of chemistry on the court, but I feel like, and then I don't know if there if there's a possibility that they could swing a deal for this in the offseason, but, like, if you put a player of the caliber of a Bradley Beal on this team, like another reliable, consistent outside shooter, I think that's a game changer. In terms of contract, I mean, they would have to move some off some of the pieces they signed this year. So probably Badanovich for sure, probably yeah. Gallo um, to to eat that money. Uh, I could see that working. I, my only concern would be if you have a, a dominant two guard. Does that, that impact Trey negatively? Young. Yeah. And I think, you know, Trey has shown that he can be a facilitator. He has adjusted his game this season compared to his first two years. He's, he's scoring less. He's shooting less. Um, shooting less three. So I think he can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, is it important that this is Trey Young's team? Or mm-hmm. if there is someone who is the alpha, can Trey conform to that? Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. So right right now, uh, we've got Atlanta and New York. We we just talked about that series, Marcus. Staying in the East, uh, we got Philly and Washington. We got Milwaukee and Miami, which seems to be a foregone conclusion at this point. Yeah, and then we've got Brooklyn and Boston, which I think is a foregone conclusion as well. Uh, well what do you make of some of these other series? I thought the Celtics put up a decent fight against Brooklyn, but again, Brooklyn has, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. So, and Boston is out without Jalen Brown. So, mm-hmm. the idea of the Celtics somehow winning this series is not going to happen. Maybe they win a game at the most, but mm. yeah, it, it's going to be Brooklyn series. Okay, let's 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 pause right here, Marcus. Let's talk about Boston a little bit because I, you know, obviously both of us think that this series is already a wrap. But when you look at the last couple seasons of the Celtics, uh, post the departure of Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. where are they at right now? Because we know they've got a big name, like that's a historic franchise. They've got some good players like Jason Tatum, great two-way player. I, you know, the brother had a good sandwich at Subway for a couple months, a little bacon Tatum joint. It was popping. But I don't know, like Kimball Walker, good player. I don't know if they're a contender at this point. And if you're Danny Ainge and you didn't made all these deals and, and all these moves to get to this point, what do you do? Because I don't think they can stand pat in an East where – Brooklyn is going to continue to make moves. Milwaukee is always going to be in the mix. You never know about Miami. Like we just talked about Atlanta. Like what? Where are the Celtics right now as a franchise? They are not in a good spot. Um, this is a team that went five hundred this year. When you when you consider you have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and your your thirty sits and thirty sits in the East. Mm. If you, just, if you talk about the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks were well, well over 500. They finished fourth. They have similar young pieces in, you know, Trey Young and John Collins. Um, I would say 
eight. So I think probably Atlantis has the better roster, but it's probably close. I mean, there's there's some talent on this Boston team, but um, I think they need to maybe move on from one of the two and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And if you're just going on, I think, upside and talent, you would move Jalen Brown and keep yeah. Tatum and see what you can get for Jalen Brown. Um, he's only 24. He could, I mean, Jalen Brown, for example, he could be someone if the Hawks were able to get him. He could be a good addition, and he would not be mm. um, the alpha on that team. He would, you know, it would still be Trey's team, but then you have this solid young shooting guard in Jalen Brown. So yeah, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Yeah, I think, and he's from he's from Georgia, correct? I believe so. Because isn't he from? Like, uh, is he from? Arizona? Like I've been looking for like. Honestly, in the draft, that's what I was looking for. Unfortunately, Marietta. the Hawks, Marietta, yeah. Unfortunately, the Hawks weren't in the position to uh, go after uh, Anthony Edwards because I thought that could have been an interesting pairing. Yeah. And now this year, because they made the playoffs, they won't have a mm-hmm. a lottery pick. Which um, this year's draft, in particular, is pretty deep. So. Even if you know, even if the Hawks at what nineteen could still, I think get a, a decent, um, a decent rookie. So, um, but yeah, I, I think the Boston needs to. They have a, a tough decision to make. They have Kemba Walker, who has a, a, a bad contract, and it's not going to, yeah, live up to the thirty plus million dollars he's getting. Um, and I, I like Kimba. I, I think Kimba Walker's a, been a good player, but just not at that contract, not at that price point. Yeah. And then you have a bunch of sort of other pieces. I think other young pieces. Robert Williams, I think, is um, like a decent, you know, maybe backup center. I don't know if he could be a starter at center just because he's kind of undersized. Um, and then you have some of the young guys. Uh, Peyton Pritchard showed promise this year as, as a rookie. But he's not someone that is going to, I think, be a huge asset to your team. You got Aaron Naismith, uh, you got Ojale still there. So they have all these, you know, Taco Fall, who's not going to be a factor. Um, <laughs> so they have all these pieces that they need to figure out what to do with them. And I don't know offhand their cap situation for the summer if they have room to, to go out and get free agents. But um, I think they need to definitely look at moving Jalen Brown. Mm. So the other two series, we talked about Milwaukee and Miami and also uh, the Wizards and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, any any thoughts on those? Yeah, I don't know where I don't know why I went to the Brooklyn Nets on that one. Uh, I think I was thinking about Kyrie. Oh. Uh, Wizards, Sixers. Um, listen, the, the Wizards are... <laughs> Just you know, happy to be here, and yeah. um, they're getting swept. You know, Beal's not one hundred percent. I think Westbrook is starting to slow down a bit. His his triple double streak, you know, he's he's sort of coming back to earth a little bit. And you know, they start Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn is not someone you want <laughs> to be starting in the playoffs. Not against yeah. Joel Embiid. No, no, man, like. Uh... Talking about Russ, though, what's what like what's next for it? Because I don't see this Washington thing as a long term fit for Russell Westbrook. Well, he's 
You know, it's been three seasons, three different teams, going back to mm. Oklahoma City, did a year in Houston, did a year in Washington. Do they try to move him this year? And he gets to a fourth team in four years. At what point does that reflect on your legacy when yeah. teams sort of don't view you as an asset or as someone who as they view you as an asset, but they don't view you as someone who can help improve the team. No. And especially, you know, again, similar, <laughs> situa- similar, similar situation to Kimba, even though Russ is a much better player than Kimba, that contract, like that's, that's not an easy thing to move. Not at all. So that's why I think the wizards might, um, might be forced to hold on to him. Like, and I, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the fit with Beal and Westbrook either. I mean, it seems that they get better than most. Yeah, well, they, yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about uh, personality-wise because I think this is a much better chemistry fit than Beal and John Wall. But in terms of on the court, like I, I don't. I think Russ and Beal, they're not exactly oil and water, but they're like oil and Sand? Vinegar? <laughs> well, oil and vinegar, you make a delicious salad dressing, Marcus Vandenberg. Mm. But oil and sand, like, they both have their uses, but when you put them together, they just kind of, it's just there. Yeah. That's a very strained metaphor. <laughs> very. Uh, well, speaking uh, of straining, Marcus Vandenberg, what about these Miami Heat out here on these, on these streets? I don't, you know, I'm not going to call them the, the bubble heat or anything like that, or, mm. or sort of downplay what they did last summer in Orlando, but no, um, this. But is, it's different. Like, like there are differences now. It's different, but I also think that says more about the Bucks than mm-hmm. the Heat. But, listen, I mean, game one, that could have been Miami's game, so. Yeah, they lost game two. They won in game two. But game one came down to the buzzer. I mean, it came down to a Chris Middleton shot in, in overtime. So it's not like Miami has played poorly in both of these games. They played poorly in game two. And, you know, this is Miami's – in game three, Miami's chance to counter that. And if they if they win both games in Miami, then are we still talking about the Heat being done? Probably not. So Right. Uh, if, if you're a Heat fan, I wouldn't be too concerned yet. Uh, I will say that some of uh, Game 2 is just the bots coming out and not missing. And like, Sometimes there's nothing you can do when it's when like, top like that. Red Forbes. Yeah. Like, okay, it's just, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Uh, I think with the Heat, man, with this series, there's a couple things. Number one, this is a different Bucks team. I think um, uh, the addition of Holiday is probably bigger than people thought at the time. Uh, but then also, uh, when you look back at that Heat team in the bubble, one of the things that really allowed them to flourish be- besides the play of Jimmy Butler was you was getting these contributions from people like Tyler Hero. And you're not getting that this season. Yeah. Tyler is um, 
He was fine this year. I, I think he was someone who did not take the, the Nets leap in his progression as a player. And I, I don't remember if, if he was someone who might have had COVID this year or not. Mm. And if so, if that maybe was a factor, but he was someone last year who was sort of an S factor for this team. And then now this year, he is relegated to the bench. And, um, I mean, game two, played 18 minutes, four points. Like, that's that's not going to, to get it done. And, no. And, um, you know, even... Trevor Reza, who they brought in, I would not have guessed that Trevor Reza would be playing sort of starter minutes in the playoffs at sort of a undersized four position. Um, that that's a little baffling. If he if he's starting up front with Butler and and Bam, I don't know if that's going to to help you win games either. So, I think. Miami has some things to figure out between now and game three. Mm, okay, so let's let's uh, get ready to switch conferences. But before we leave the East, Marcus, let's check in. Who you got? Because right now I'm still riding with the 76ers uh, in no small part because I I got, I got something riding on them. <laughs> and I need this to hit, Marcus, because uh, now I'm a degenerate gambler, thanks to the good people over at BetMGM. Uh but uh, so I'm going with the Sixers. Who you got coming out of the East? I am also going with the Sixers. Um, so they have an, a on paper a pretty cushy path to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're they're going to sweep the Wizards, and yeah. then they get the a winners, which I think you as a Hawks fan can even admit that the Hawks are probably not going to beat the Sixers. No, um, like <laughs> at. At best, I'm thinking we could take two games. At worst, it's a gentleman's sweep. <laughs> yeah. So if, if if they play more than, you know, eight games between now and, and uh, late June, I'll be surprised. And at that point, I think they would get um, either the Nets or the Bucks. And... I think that's going to be an interesting series right there. That is a – I mean – just and I think this sort of speaks to how important that one seed is, especially in the East. Mm-hmm. If you're Philly, you're you're playing, you know, the Hawks or the the Knicks. If you're, you know, the two three, you're playing each other, and that that is a that is a tough series for both of those teams. And then to think that you you battle through that series and then have to go face the Sixers after that, yeah, um, that is a that is a tough. Tough battle for um, whoever comes out of that series. So I think Philly will have the advantage in that Eastern Conference Finals. Plus, defensively, I think they can. Um, I think they can slow down Giannis, and mm-hmm. I think they can try their best to shut down Brooklyn. When you consider uh, Ben Simmons is probably, um, I would say, probably the best on-ball defender in the league, and you can throw him out there and. and Pick a player you want to you want to shut down. You know, if it if it's James Harden's night, then put him on Harden. If you want to try to contain KD, you can do that as well. And Kyrie, and then when you looked at Embiid and just who Brooklyn will have to to counter yeah. him, 
uh, eight to get ugly. And defensively, their Brooklyn's not known for their defense. So nope. they're already sort of behind the eight ball in that. But then when you factor in Embiid and just some of the the, the big men that they don't have, uh, I could see I could see Philly winning that series. So Marcus and I both had the 76ers coming out of the Eastern Conference. Now, uh, let's switch gears and go over to the West. Uh, but before we do, shout out to everybody watching us right now on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We appreciate y'all. If you have any comments, any thoughts on these uh, NBA playoffs, drop us a line and uh, we, we will uh, respond to your queries. Uh, but Marcus Vandenberg in the West, let's start with your beloved Los Angeles Lakers. What's going on, Marcus Vandenberg? Is it time to hit the proverbial panic button for King James and them boys? After one loss? No, no, no. <laughs> far, too, far too early. Uh, I would not hit the panic button on the Lakers until they were down 3-0, to be honest. Yeah. Even if they're down 2 even if they lose tonight, I think they, they could still figure it out at home and get it tied and then go back to Phoenix in a game five. So um, that will not stop Laker fans from freaking out if they lose tonight. But I think that until, you know, the clock says zero, that they can still figure out a way to win. So not not worried yet, but it was not a great game on Sunday for the Lakers. No, like it, it just looked like they were a bit out of sync, a bit out of step, and – Phoenix, like, you got to give them credit, man. They played a good game. And, like, I think that I'm I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you, Marcus. Like, if I am a Lakers fan, uh, I would not be worried even if they lost this next game uh, because you have the two best players in the series are both on your team, both in your yeah. uniform, in LeBron and AD. Uh so I think that, honestly, I think the Lakers are going to win game two. And then, you know, they get to go home. And we'll see what Phoenix is about. Because this is a new experience for Booker and Aiton and these young cats. You know, Chris Paul's done it before, but we'll see what these young cats are made of. So I think L.A. is going to take that series. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, Utah and Memphis, Marcus Vandenberg. Mm-hmm. And these these Grizzlies out here trying to shake up the world. What, what what do you make of this series? How far do you think it'll go? And would it would it truly be an upset for you if the Grizzlies are able to knock off the Jazz? Oh yeah, it would be tr- it would truly be an upset. I mean, let's let's Jazz it this season because they're the Utah Jazz. If this, you know, if any other team... <laughs> it just shows the lack of respect you know, that we have for the Jazz collectively. Exactly. If any other team finished the best overall record in the league, averaged a, a, a NBA best in terms of three-pointers per game, um, if, if any other team had the, the defensive player of the year and the sixth man of the year... Mm-hmm. And you know, before the injury, uh, a possible top five, top ten MVP candidate in Donovan Mitchell, we would be talking about them a lot differently. But because they play in Utah, not even because they play in Utah, because of the Jazz, and because, <laughs> and because the Jazz, I think are just an easy punching bag. Unfortunately, 
we we do not give the Jazz the credit that they deserve. So, no. yeah, it would it would be a huge upset. And the the thing that made the Utah Jazz this year who they are was the three point shot. And when you go twelve or forty seven from three, mm-hmm. you're going to lose some games. And you know, I don't expect Jordan Clarkson to go zero for eight again in the series from three. Um. And you get down to Mitchell bat on Wednesday. And yeah. let's, I know, you know, people, you know, definitely surprised by the win, but Mitchell's their best player in the story. And to not have him, you know, is going to make the impact on, on that game. So having him back, well, I think and, and the thing is, out. like, we, we know what John Moran is about. Like, like yeah. kid is a beast. We know uh, Valentunas can ball. Are we sure we're going to get that same type of performance from Dylan Brooks again? I mean, Dylan Brooks, by the way, who who scored 31 points, but on on 26 shots, and I don't know if you want, you know, Dylan Brooks shooting 26 shots. The the other thing I see about Memphis is they. This is not the Memphis of the grit and grind. No, this ain't the um, whoop them trick all-stars. No, it's not Tony <laughs> Allen and, and, you know, Mike Conley. Zebo. Zebo. They, they like to push the ball a little bit. They, they shot the ball 19 more times than Utah in this game. They had a hundred field goal attempts. So they're, they're putting the pressure on, on Utah and considering that they had 19 more attempts and only one by three. Um, I think it sort of shows you how how close this game really was. So, yeah. Um, what you're saying, Marcus, is this ain't the Mike Fratello Grizzlies out here? N- no, it's not. So I, I think definitely there's a lot of talent in Memphis. They're I think the second youngest team in the NBA this year, and I think the youngest team I think to make the playoffs. I want to say mm. uh, in terms of age. So there's definitely talent there. They're probably. A, a year or two away, but I do think with Mitchell back, even if he's not 100%, I think he will, you know, be a huge boost for Utah and the Jazz will win this series. Yeah, and honestly, I just wanted to say Mike Fratello. Like any, <laughs> anytime you can work the Zara to tell us straight into the, Zara, the yeah. into the show, it's a good who show. Did a, who did a game with Marv Albert last week? And he did. Yeah, it was busy on Marv retiring, so they brought. Oh Fratello man, back. I missed that one. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Fratello and Marv Albert. Uh, but speaking of Marv Albert, Marcus Vandenberg, and watch, watch where I'm going with this. No, I'm scared. Will the Clippers, who, who look to be the favorite in this series with the Mavericks, will they end up getting bit in no. their hind parts? Too far? I mean... <laughs> Imagine, we love, you. Imagine, we love telling, imagine telling your kids that story. Yeah. Grandpa Marv, what happened when you got in trouble that time? Yes. <laughs> Where'd the police take you when, when they arrested you? Downtown. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah. What about this uh, Maverick series with the Clippers, Marcus? Uh, you got faith in, in your other team out there in L.A.? Man, <laughs> could you imagine the Clippers after uh, after tanking, quote unquote, 
to avoid <laughs> there losing to the Mavericks in the first round. Mm. And you can't even blame Doc Rivers is long gone. Can't blame Doc. Uh, I guess you can try to blame Paul George because he's he's the easy target. Yes, he's the puncher bag for the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, I, I know Laker fans made fun of the Clippers on Saturday when they lost, and then the Lakers lost on Sunday. <laughs> I would say if you're comparing the two, the, the bigger, more baffling loss would be the Clippers' loss because they were at home, and they sort of put themselves in. They they won at Dallas. They, they had a situation to beat the Thunder and beat the Rockets. I don't know how many teams this year have lost to both, both to the Thunder and the Rockets, let alone back to back in terms of games. So mm. that, this is what they wanted. This is what they get. And uh, Luka's not scared. And if they, if they can't Man. figure out how to stop Luka, then they're in trouble. Yeah, Luka came out there and messed around and hit him with that triple-double, man. Like, I, And here's the thing. Like, I... I respect Luca, even though like there's a part of me that's always throwing a little bit of shade at Luca because you know people tried to come for the Hawks when they took Trey instead of Luca. But I like this Dallas team, man. Like I don't, I don't like them to beat the Clippers. I wouldn't go that far, Marcus, because I I do think the Clippers are gonna come back and win the series. But mm. I think Dallas is gonna be a problem for a while. I, I heard the hesitation in your voice. You you think Dallas is going to pull this upset? What? I mean, I just... Is that, is that just your Laker bias seeping through? No. I mean, what what about the Clippers? Would you sort of be confident that they could, could figure this out? Honestly, I would say 90% of my trust in the Clippers, to whatever degree that I have trust in the Clippers is probably leaning with Kawhi because he's been there. He's done that. I have zero faith in Paul George. Uh, Like, I don't don't know what Ty Lue, like what, like, I don't know what Ty, I mean, he's a championship coach, Marcus Vandenberg. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to disrespect Tyrone Lue. But I can't, Tell you his impact on this team. Listen, assistant coach LeBron James isn't on this team, so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about Tyler. <laughs> but yeah, like I would say, my faith the Clippers would be based on Kawhi Leonard doing Kawhi Leonard things and being able to lift this team out of the first round at least. That is asking a lot for a guy who, you know. When when Nick Batum is dating thirty two minutes, when mm. a Morris twin is dating thirty three minutes, we don't know which one. It's Marcus. It's, it's Marcus. is it Marcus? Are you that's sure? Mar- I'm I'm sure Marquise on the Lakers. You don't look. That's what like you don't know for sure. Marcus Vandenberg. Have they done a DNA test? It could just be Marquise in a Clippers uniform. Could be. Uh, when when Reggie Jackson is coming off your bench. <laughs> we, 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 Mr. October for the, last, for the last two years we've we've heard so much about you know how deep the Clippers are and, <laughs> oh they have so much talent 
this is the this is the talent they're rolling out in the playoffs, and I don't know if if you can rely on Rondo, Magic, and Kawhi to even get you past Luka, let alone an NBA title. Um, I I just don't. I I never understood the hype around the Clippers in their in their bench situation. I just don't understand how. And this is no offense to Nipatoom, but. Nipatoom got way for a reason. And for him to be a guy who played 32 minutes in game one, yeah. who was actually pretty solid in game one. But, Nick, Nick Batum was a nice piece. Yeah, but he's not, he's he's not the piece that's going to put you over the top. No. So for, for them to really have a, a shot, they need Paul George to be playoff P. Take his, to, I mean, I mean, no, he shouldn't be playoff P. His playoff P is not good. He needs to, <laughs> he needs to escape the playoff P moniker, and be eighteen twenty nineteen. If he if he can hit that level when he was OKC mm. that last year, um, now we're talking. But if he's going to sort of be what he has been pretty much the entire time in LA, then then yeah, that's not going to be enough. Shout out to the chat real quick, Marcus, because, you know, anytime we talk in L.A. basketball, somebody somebody got to rear his head and get in the comments. And we got Chris from L.A. out here talking about, hell no, they're not good because they're the Clippers. That sounds that sounds right, about right from Jamie. That's his unbiased commentary. Um, yes. So one last question on the Clippers before we finish out talking about the Western Conference, Marcus. Uh, and I'll – I need to message Chris because he he might need to hop on here for our final NBA story. Uh, but in, in terms of the Clippers, right? So last year was a big disappointment for them. You know they had championship mm-hmm. aspirations. If they go out in the first round, Kawhi Leonard is a free agent after this season. He could be. He could opt. Could out. be. Does Steve Ballmer just blow this thing up, man, and start start over? Or like, what what do they do? Um, I mean, I guess it depends if if Kawhi opts out, then who can take on Kawhi? Um, and I think that he needs to, and he probably you know his people probably know who has the cap space this year to to be in the running and if there's someone that he thinks is you know going to be a contender then maybe he opts out but if there's not a team out there then he's probably better off in Los Angeles I mean he's 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 from here this is home yeah they haven't won but I think his legacy you know two titles two different teams he's good there so I would say if he if he's not super frustrated with the losing part yet then I can see him staying. But if he does stay, you're not moving Paul George probably. Mm. What do you do? Um, they brought in Abaka, who was hurt for most of the year. Um, they got Patum on the cheap. You you know, the, you got guys like, you know, Boogie, who maybe bring him back next year and he's he gets more minutes, but you oh Luke Kennard, they brought him in. Mm-hmm. Uh that 
you know, he wasn't really a bit difference maker for them this year. Uh, I kind of like the, Boogie, like Boogie at the at his current price point. I kind of like Boogie. Like he's not he's a championship money. piece out of, huh? Yeah, he's making a million. So yeah, I, I think for that, that that's good value for Boogie Cousins. Which I mean that that shows you how far his stock has dropped because of the injury from. You know, when he was in New Orleans getting, you know, these double doubles that were just, you know, yeah. 35 and 20 and just, you know, all these ridiculous numbers and then turned down the extension from the Pelicans and got injured and, you know, got to the Lakers and got injured and never really hit the court. So uh, his, situation's, his situation's unfortunate, but the, the young pieces on the Flippers too, a Terrence Mann. Was pretty good at this year when he got he got some run, and outside of that, not really a lot of. I mean, Zubac still around. He's he's only twenty four. He's probably more of a backup than a than a starter. But yeah. yeah, they have some they have some things to figure out this year if they don't, especially if they get bounced in the first round. Um, you know, you're not going to fire Ty Lue for this. No, I don't. I don't think it's Ty's fault. No, um, but but then again, I don't know if it is Ty's fault. I I can't tell you what Ty Lue does out here on these streets, Marcus Vanderberg. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. I mean, it'd be funny. It put it this way: if if the Lakers lost in the first round and the Clippers lost in the first round, <laughs> Laker fans wouldn't care because the Clippers lost in the first round. Yeah, and they've already got a championship that they can. Yeah. Enjoy at least for another year before they and, start panicking next year. Not to make excuses for the Lakers, but they let's not pretend LeBron and AD are not 100%. They're not. They're not healthy. And that is a factor yeah. in terms of how they got themselves in the, in the playing tournament in the first place. Because before, before the injuries, they were top seed in the West. And then yep. once you lost, you know, once you started losing those guys, things went downhill. So in terms of net season, I don't think Lakers fans are too worried about where they fit in in the West. Consuming, you know, assuming that maybe, you know, obviously, you know, time is limited with these two, and you you want to get as many titles as possible. But let's assume they lose in the first round, they will have closer to a regular off season this year than if they go to the finals because right uh, the NBA season is going to start back up in October this uh, next year. Next season, I should say. So if you're playing deep into July, you're going to have another situation where they had this past year where they had, I think, was it 71 days off? Um, you're probably looking at 90 days off this year. And that starts to add up. And maybe that's part of the reason why mm-hmm. they had so many issues this year. Well, a second ago, Marcus, you mentioned the phrase ridiculous numbers. And so let me throw some ridiculous numbers out to you, Marcus Vanderberg. If, if, if I told you that Damian Lillard, dang time, went out and put up 42 points and 10 assists in a game, and they still lost by 20 points, what would you tell me, Marcus <laughs> Vandenberg? <laughs> uh, I would tell you that they don't play any defense in Portland. <laughs> not, not a lick of defense. Not uh, a lick. What, what, what do you think about this series? And, 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 and I think, like, right, right now it's tied up 1 1, but. Uh, this series between Denver and the Blazers, do you? How, how far do you think it go? Like, do you think this is one that could go the distance? Are these teams that evenly matched, brother? Uh, 
I would bet on Dame, you know, nine times out of ten. So I think it's going. I think it's going six or seven. Mm. Uh, I think the issue Portland has, they can't stop Jokic, and to to be fair, good. can anybody like who who is equipped to? And and like, I'm not just asking like a rhetorical question, Marcus. Like mm-hmm. from a basketball standpoint, like who's the team that would be equipped to best neutralize Jokic? Would it be a team like Philly? Um, because because Joke is a bad dude. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking out west, I think the Lakers. If they Lakers, and I think they should probably shift to this anyways. If they finally move Mark Gasol in the, in the lineup mm. and move Drummond to the bench, I think Mark Gasol could be interesting on on Jokic in the West if it if it gets to that point. Uh, outside of that. Yeah, I don't. Oh, actually, no. Gobert, Gobert would be interesting on him, Ooh, and um, okay, you know, okay. they, they've had they've had their battles. So, if if it somehow became Utah, Denver again, which we saw last year, I think Gobert could figure out how to contain him. So, uh, so there's people out there. Okay, so let's do the same thing for the Western Conference that we did for the East Markets, and I'll let you go first since that this is uh you know part of the country that you stay in. Uh, who do you have at this point coming out of the Western Conference? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, a lot, a lot tougher than the East, I think. Damn. I'm only doing Lakers because of the other mm. seven options. Mm. Color me surprised. Listen, listen. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> I think I think the other teams just have some major flaws that they're they're looking at. Um, so it, it's hard for me to still down o one mm-hmm. better against the champs. Now, if the Lakers lose to Phoenix, and we're looking it's at open. <laughs> A final four, then yeah, it, it could be Utah, it could be Phoenix, it could be Denver, it could be Dallas. Mm-hmm. It won't be the Clippers. <laughs> so, <laughs> as as Chris said, the Clippers are cursed. I wouldn't say cursed. I just think that um, can't get right. That's who the Clippers are. <laughs> I, I like I like your Laker pick, Marcus, even though it probably is drenched in homerism. Uh, um, I'm, I'm gonna take your pick though and throw a little razzle dazzle on top though. Mm-hmm. I say the winner of the Lakers Sun series comes out of the West because if the Lakers win, they're the defending, reigning, defending, undisputed champs. They got the experience. They got the two best players in the conference. They gonna get out. If the Suns beat them, no Marcus. We talked off the top about kind of the psychology of basketball. If the Suns knock off the Lakers, Booker, Aiton, them young boys going to have some type of confidence. And then Chris Paul, you know, or Cliff Paul, whichever one is suiting up that particular night. I think the Suns are going to be a problem if they beat the Lakers. And they would get the winner of? They play the Blazers' Denver winner, right? Yeah. 
And that, and then that, like, that's a tough series to call because I could, I could easily see Portland or Denver coming out of that spot. But I'm going to take whoever, whoever wins that Lakers Sun series. That's going to be my pick right now to uh, come out of the West. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. So, uh, that's uh, that's our on the court discussion, Marcus Vandenberg. There was a big NBA story the last couple of weeks uh, that took place off the court. So I'll, you know, you are the journalist amongst us. I'll let you kind of set this up so we can we can chop this up for the people, man. Oh boy, this is all your fault, Cammy. This is all Chris from LA's fault. Yeah, <laughs> he requested it. So I believe the story started because of the Matt Barnes and Steven Jadson podcast. Yeah, all the smoke. All the smoke where they were discussing was it the Wizards in particular or just NBA guys? I think it was like NBA like just in general. Okay. And Kwame Brown who the world has not thought about since uh, probably since Jordan you know did what he did in Washington with him. Yeah. Um, Kwame's Former number one pick. Up. Yeah. Uh, Matt Barnes had some things to say about Kwame Brown. And uh, sort of like the boogeyman. If you say his, if you say his name. <laughs> candy so man. Time, yeah, candy man. <laughs> Kwame Brown, out of nowhere, hit the, hit the internet. Mm. And... Um, I don't know what people expected, you know, what they expected here from Kwame Brown, considering um, he's from Brunswick, Georgia. And Nate, you probably know this area better than I do. But <laughs> yeah, um, and that's that's well. Here's the thing, Marcus. Before before you continue, uh, because I do think like there there are laughs to be had with this story, and we will have those laughs. But but there is a serious part uh, component to this story too that we'll get into as well. But I think Kwame surprised people for two reasons when he started talking. And I'm just talking about just the initial impressions. Number one, because when's the last time you remember hearing a Kwame Brown interview when he was playing? Like yeah, he wasn't, I, I don't. he wasn't this big talker. But then the other thing is like Kwame Brown is country as hell, man. Kwame Brown is, is country. And I think I don't think people was ready for that when when he when he started putting these videos out, Marcus. No, um, and and Brunswick is probably now. It came up during the Ahmed Ahmed Aubrey murder because mm-hmm. he's from that area. He's from down there, yeah, which is another part of this story that we'll we'll talk about in a little bit. The yes. the Black Lives Matter component to this story. Yes. So um, also Anna J from Brunswick. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Oh, I didn't know that. AEW's own. Davis Love the Third? Okay. Davis Love the I can't tell you the last time I thought about Davis Love. <laughs> Davis Love the Third is such a like nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. So like Kevin Fred couples for like uh Yes. And Davis look like his no no disrespect to our Caucasian brothers out there you know we you know we got uh, love for y'all Davis Love the Third might be one of the whitest names ever. It's 
sweater than TJ Mifflin. <laughs> just just barely whiter than TJ McClune. <laughs> mm. Davis loved the third. Shout out to him wherever he is. Maybe yes. I look, I got I got to check out the Davis Love the Third Twitter to make sure I'm not co-signing. Yeah, make sure, make sure you. Mm-hmm. 2021, you can't be too sure. No, you never know. So, um, so yeah, he's from Brunswick. He jumped on social media and opened his mouth and woof. <laughs> what 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 came out of Kwame Brown's mouth? Um, is, is stuff that you can't be repeating in 2021. That's for sure. Um, but he basically ran down Matt Barnes and eventually Charlemagne, the dad got involved. Charlemagne, who grew up semi in the area. Actually, I think he said he grew up in yeah, South Carolina. Charlemagne's from South Carolina, yeah. Yeah, so they, you know, they crossed paths with his family, Kwame's family in South Carolina and Charlemagne. That's when Charlemagne talked about Kwame Brown's father, um, Willie James Brown, who um, has quite the history, mm-hmm. the, the legal history and might be incarcerated history. As do uh, Kwame's brothers. Like Kwame, yes. Kwame comes from a long lineage. Yes. Um, and, after hearing Charlemagne talk about Kwame, it was hard to not feel sorry for him, just knowing that mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad that's going on with this with this man. Yeah, that we don't know about, and we shouldn't know about because, like we mentioned, he's he hasn't been in the public eye since um, you know since he retired from the NBA. Um, so yeah, it was. There's a lot going on, and I, I do wonder, you know, if, if Kwame, the, the lashing out from Kwame is sort of a, I don't say a cry for help, but it, mm-hmm. if, if there's bigger mental health issues going on in terms of sort of what he might be dealing with. Yeah, I, I do think there's something there, Marcus, because Kwame's a complex dude, man. When when you look like past the videos and you actually kind of dig into his socials and some of the things he said and the oh, statements he's made. Well, I was going to say, we, we, yeah. we should mention well, he is uh, he is a MAGA supporter. Would yes. you classify he, him that? He's, if not full-on MAGA, at least trending MAGA, and he's anti-Black Lives Matter, uh, which makes the dynamic between him and Steven Jackson even that more complex. Uh, but and you talked about la- Brianna Taylor thoughts too. Yeah. Well, you talked about lashing out Marcus Vandenberg. And if there's one person we know collectively that lashes out, it's the professor, Chris from LA. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris from LA is in the <laughs> building. Chris, we talking about Kwame Brown and the comments he had for Matt Barnes, Gilbert Arenas, and Steven Jackson from the All the Smoke podcast. And and you reached out to us this week. You was like, fellas, I'll, I don't even be asking to be on nobody's show all the time, but I needed to be here to talk about this. So, uh, Chris, what, what what are your thoughts on uh, what, what Kwame had to say and, and this kind of beef back and forth between these former NBA players? Yeah, um, I'm ready for some of Mama's cooking. Um, <laughs> this was... 
You know, I wish Kwame Brown had this kind of attitude when he played with the Lakers. <laughs> Maybe we would have won some more games. Um, I don't know. Uh, but, my, my God, man, I, I really didn't know this guy had um, this kind of venom inside of him, you know. Uh, and... Uh, you know, politics aside, because I don't want to get too sidetracked with, with the guy's uh, politics, um, he's, he kind of sounded a little all over, a place, over the place with that. But just, um, I mean, they came, they, they talked about him first on, on, the, uh, on the All the Smoke podcast. I, I had to listen to that episode mm. to see if... Um, Kwame had a right to be mad. And just from what I heard on that episode, I definitely think he was well within his rights um, to not be happy with some of the stuff they said. Um, Gilbert Arenas didn't, his his stuff I don't think was that bad. Um, I thought Stephen Jackson. Does Gilbert play with him? He, he, yeah. yeah. Gilbert's no fool. Well, well, that was the thing. Like, first of all, what Gilbert said wasn't as bad as the other two guys, but as soon as Kwame cracked, clapped back, Gilbert was the first one to be like, hey, <laughs> we, we don't want no problems, big fella. Because <laughs> yeah. Gilbert knows, like uh, Marcus was saying, they was both uh, uh, on, on that Wizards team together. Right, yeah. Um, and they were on that Wizards team together. Um, and I thought they were, were decent to, together. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that ever looked at Kwame um, Kwame Brown as a bust. Now, at the same time, when we traded him for Paul Gasol, um, I, I partied for like three when, weeks when straight. You, when you fleece the Grizzlies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still <laughs> one of the worst trades, man. Like, that was disrespectful. <laughs> you can't even make that trade on 2K. They, they won't accept it. Right, yeah. It, it got us to the finals that year <laughs> and two championships. Uh Gasol, just for that move alone, he's he's got to get his uh, jersey hanging in the rafters soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought Kwame Brown, um, all the other stuff, like like as far as him clapping back at people who've talked about him over the years, I think he's well within his rights to do that. Um, Stephen Stephen A. Smith, he pretty much made a um, a. ESPN career out of <laughs> the bonafide scrub uh, comments. Uh, those things resonate. I laughed at it when he said it, but I mean, <laughs> that doesn't make it right, you know. It, it was what it was. Um, and, you know, going after him. The Jamel Hill stuff, I didn't understand um, him going after her. I thought, you know, she was just trying to um, – you know, like be affable, and you know he just took it and got on some some hotep bullshit on toxic masculinity, and I don't know what the hell he was talking about. Um, but um, you know, um, as far as um, and then when he start calling um, Charlemagne a rapist, that's when things kind of got a little bit weird for me because now you are basically tell set um telling um a lie on this man and when i say the word lie i mean a lie 
based off of a court rendered decision because that's all that matters in the legal system is if someone is found not guilty of something or in the case of Charlemagne, not even charged with something, pled to a lesser charge, um, then to go around and um, call him a rapist, that right there is slanderous. That's, that's the textbook definition of, of slander because um, when a jury of, of your peers or when you take a plea or whatever and you know the court makes a decision, um, at that point, you can't go around saying stuff like that. You know, that's just, um, that's not, you won't get First Amendment protection for that. Mm-hmm. So um, when he came back with the retraction, um, it showed me that he was a lot smarter than I thought he was because he did retract it, but he still, he said, uh, but you but you still contribute to the delinquency of a minor, though, you know. <laughs> Um, it, it was well, so it was crazy. That might be you know? the cease and desist. Might be the reason why he had to. to work the, well, the cease and desist is like when you, when you're as big time as um, Charlemagne. I'm not going to sit there and p- pretend that Charlemagne is some kind of is like a big time um, journalist, but he's he's pop. He's more popular than most. I I don't know if Charlemagne is the one that sent um, that sent the lawyers to. Kwame Brown, because I think somebody um, with the accolades that Charlemagne has under his belt, he's probably got a lawyer in, on retainer, right? And he's probably got a publicist to where mm-hmm. if, the, if if that if if Kwame calling due to rapist got to the publicist's ears first, the publicist is going to be is going to call the lawyer and say, hey, man. Hey, we're um, going to shut this down right now. Yeah, send this guy a cease and desist. So I don't think um, – and and I, I do think Charlemagne's a clown a lot of times, but I don't think it's necessarily fair to call him a punk for doing that, even though the optic, I can understand why somebody thinks that. But, you know, Char- a lot of people eat off of Charlemagne, you know. So mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're gonna, you know, if if you if you're going at him, calling them those kind of names, of of course he's they're, you know, a lawyer's gonna be the natural progression or digression of things, you know. And then, real real quick, shout out to brother Jermaine out there in the yeah. chat, who says uh, Kwame Brown might have stumbled his way into a podcaster career. Uh, there's a vacuum now with Joe Budden, so. <laughs> nah. Okay, I, well, I do want to, <laughs> I do think we're getting ahead of ourselves with that. Well, that's the thing, because here's the thing. Like, I feel like this situation is could almost be like a setup for somebody like Kwame, right. because as Marcus said, like, we don't know with the life that this guy has led, with the history of, of his family, with the fact that he's basically spent all of his adult life being a punchline for people in the public eye. Like we don't know what that does to a person. And so I feel like, like, yeah, when, when he came out and clapped back on all the smoke, it was funny. Like when he, he's in the video talking about, Oh, your podcast called all the smoke, but I guess you just want some of the smoke. Like it, like that's funny. That's a good line. That's clever. But I feel like people that are trying to, Say, oh, Kwame, like Kwame can have this new career now, or, or yeah, yeah, Kwame should be the spokesperson. 
Kwame Brown ain't that dude for that position. I don't think it's going to end well, Chris, if you try to put Kwame Brown as this kind of voice of, yeah, of a I generation, think so to speak. Yeah, like, like expected too much out of him after this. I mean, look, I, I understood why he clapped back at Charlemagne, too. I, I have a, a father um, who died young, and half the people who knew my father, half of them told me he was a great man. The other half tell me he was a horrible person, you know what I'm saying? So when stories like that come out, because um, one of the things Kwame said is he didn't even know um, a lot of this stuff that Charlemagne kind of aired out on The Breakfast Club. Um, mm-hmm. As someone who who's kind of can relate to that, being in that position too, I, I definitely understand that. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the throwing stones and stuff, I, I just don't think, and like I said, and, and now he's at the point where this is going to become old fast, though. You know, mm-hmm. it's yes. like how often? Do, I mean, during the don't get me wrong, for a good seven days straight, I was entertained. I was thoroughly entertained. It was like waiting for Fifty Cent to drop a mixtape back when Fifty Cent used to drop mixtapes all the time. <laughs> it, it was one of those kinds of situations. But but after after Charlemagne humbled himself and apologized, and then this dude told him basically to f off. Where, where, where is there to go now? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're you're, you're talking about you want to interview um, the girl that um, Charlemagne, you know that that fateful day where you know that he take he took the lesser plea to. You want to interview interview that girl because she had pain in her voice or something. I mean, it's not Kwame Brown. And someone um, reminded me of this on Twitter. It's not like Kwame Brown doesn't have a sexual assault thing under his belt. So I mean, I, like this is this this is where this these kinds of things could degenerate. It's like also people- Kwame Brown, like you ain't Oprah, dog. Like this, yeah. you ain't. You know, somebody that's going to get these yeah. in-depth interviews. Yeah, and Yadla, Kwame Brown fixed my life. Like, yeah, well, here's the thing, Chris, Chris yeah. you just mentioned, like, the shelf life on this. And that's why yeah. I wanted to kind of pose this to you, Marcus, because right now Kwame Brown's brand is, I'm going to say the thing that makes you be like, oh, damn, Kwame said that? Like, oh, man, Kwame really getting at these dudes. And – I feel like that's a very narrow window that you can operate in because your only two options, if you want to be the outrage machine, if you want to be the fire that you know, gets people all upset or whatnot, you're either going to tell secrets about your NBA brothers, and that's not going to end well for Kwame Brown, or you're going to go the full MAGA route, and that ain't going to end well for Kwame Brown. So, Mark, is like, how do you feel like this ends for Kwame? Like, what's the end game here, brother? I mean, you can't cancel someone who doesn't believe in cancel culture. Like, there is no canceling Kwame Brown. He's been you. You can't cancel somebody that nobody <laughs> thought about two weeks ago. Exactly. Like. No one cared about Kwame Brown until recently, and no one's going to care about Kwame Brown a month from now. Hopefully, people will go back and let the man live. So, get these jokes off while you can, guys. Really? Yeah. I'm in 100% agreement. I think, like, you know, you. I think if he saved some material, like if he released out of this week's span and then stopped 
and then maybe next year drop another one. I think that's kind of how you get the most life like, out of this. Uh, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Chris. So you say you want Kwame Brown to be like Mad Skills, right? Yeah, just, just, drop, just drop one every year. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't over don't oversaturate the twenty twenty one Kwame clapback. Yeah, don't oversaturate. Released on Kwanzaa every year. Yeah, something like that, man. Because you can't you can't live off of this stuff forever. Um, no. And and again, I, I think you know just the, the the sheer fact that he almost found himself in a defamation situation shows me that he's not at for this. Because one of the no. things that I know about being in this spot podcast space, um, I am very very careful about mm-hmm. the accusations I make towards people as far as you know just just personal stuff like that, and I just don't think Kwame. Um, Kwame Brown is suited for that, you know. Well, and then you don't thing, want people like. Well, that's the other thing too, Chris. Like, especially if you're talking about public figures, like, and Marcus knows. Like, I I didn't even attack anybody personally, but let's just say that the character of a former WCW announcer tried to get at me one time for saying <laughs> that they was a saying that they was a bad announcer. So, uh, like, like it it it, it bees that way. Sometimes I think for me, guys, like, yeah, this was kind of entertaining and fun for a week or so, but I I hope two things happen out of this. Like, number one, I actually would like to see Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes and Gilbert, like, have Kwame on the show with maybe somebody mediate. Because I think there there can be power, Marcus, in showing, like, yeah, you can have beef. But there's also a way to squash people, uh, particularly as black men. Uh, but then the other thing is, like, I hope, like, if Kwame is carrying around a lot of baggage from both his personal life and his NBA career, that he gets some help. Because this, like, we've seen this story before from a few athletes, and it doesn't always end well. You know, it, like, there's laughs to be had, but at the end of the day, them laughs stop when, when that person ain't here no more. Yeah, and hopefully you know, because he's sort of been out of the public eye that he's been outside of, you know, recently content with who he is. And he seems, on the videos, he seems very happy sort of being just the, the country dude from from Georgia and sort of living that life. It's it's not a gimmick. This is sort of who he is. So if he's, um, if he's able to adjust back into his day-to-day life, I think he'll be okay. And Jermaine with... The excellent comment. There is a shelf life to these things. Remember when we were all talking about Gorilla Glue? Oh, yeah. That was a season. Uh, so now let's make the awkward transition here, fellas, because Chris, Chris didn't know we were going to talk about this. But since you're here, uh, I want to I get your opinion on this too, brother. Because for those of you listening to the audio version of the podcast in the future, we are recording this uh, on the one-year anniversary. Okay, somebody living Los next Angeles, to Los Angeles, man, Los Angeles. So you living next to the racetrack? <laughs> Los Angeles, I do actually. I live next to Santa Anita. Is that, the horse okay. Is that Martin Truex Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the only other NASCAR driver I know, except for Bubba Wallace, right now. Um, that's it. So Martin Truex. Okay, okay. Let, let, let's let's have a little fun before we get serious. All right, Chris, what what do you put the over under on on how many NASCAR drivers I can name off the top of my head? Um, 
I can name four. I'm talking so, about me, Chris. So what? But, but, but I have to. I have to use me. Oh, okay. So you got to use yourself. A parameter. A, uh, okay. So I think. I think if if I can name four, I'd say you'd be able to name about um, ten. Even I think that's too much, Marcus. What do you think? Ooh, ten. I think that's too much, no. even for me. Five. Five. Five active. Not you can't be naming like Dale uh, Earnhardt. Right. No. Oh yeah, all, all mine's are um, not Dick active. Trickle. Like Rusty Wallace and stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, full like active full time drivers. I I would say five at the most. I think I could. I think I could hit five. Okay, so Bubba Wallace. Correct. Got that man Martin Truex Jr. Correct. Who is white? But I like he feels like that feels like a black name to me, Marcus. Because of the, the X at the end, the X and the Martin part. Yeah, like Martin Truex Jr. Uh, so we got Bubba, we got Martin, we got uh, Denny Hamlin out here. Three. I right, starting to get tricky now. Okay, I know somebody. We 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 gotta have some listeners to watch NASCAR. They screaming at they at they. I'm screaming at, they, at the. I'm screaming at my microphone. <laughs> All right, so let's go. Oh, I got man. him on a uh, Kurt Bush. Kurt Bush. Kyle Bush. There you go. And then Bush boys. That's five. I got, I got five. Can I get one more? There's some big oh, names out there. So if only we had another black driver, I would have at least got that. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a, another minority driver. Oh, there's actually two of them. Is is he Hispanic or Latinx? Uh both of them. Both Mike of Cuban. them. Oh, okay, Cuban. Ah, Cuban B. Uh, to quote, uh, have baked. Let's see. I. W- Look, here, here's the thing, Marcus, and this might sound a bit racist, but it's not meant to be. I have a name, but I'm not sure if it's a NASCAR driver or a soccer player. Oh, man. How did, <laughs> how did those two sports line up? Because I'm thinking about, like, the Latinx drive. Oh. So I'm like, I'm not sure if this brother is a soccer player or, or a NASCAR driver. I'm just going to say it. All right. Or a third baseman. Like, it could be either one of these. Miguel Almaguer. <laughs> that sounds like a FIFA creative player. But I know Miguel Almaguer is somebody. Who is Miguel Almaguer? I don't know who that is. No clue, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I got five. Who who, who else were you? Who else are the big names out there, Marcus? Right, so, so, Daniel Suarez was the uh, the... Okay. Um, Shout Mexican out to Brother driver. Suarez. And then Eric Amarola is the Cuban driver. And um, Jermaine says I named four more than he could. Uh, <laughs> Joey Logano was a big one I thought you might get. Um, Brad Keselowski is the name that, you know, he wins races. Kevin Harlett. You know Kevin Harlett. Harvick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, Chase Elliott. So there's some names out there, but okay. <laughs> I just googled Miguel Almaguer. Who's that? Who he pay for? Miguel Almaguer is an American journalist who works as a correspondent for MSNBC and NBC oh, News. Oh, of course. 
Wow. He's the dude. Okay, here's how any, if any of y'all watch the nightly news. When Lester Holt ain't there, or if it's the weekends, Miguel Almaguer is the dude that does the news for Lester Holt. Okay. So he's the he's the back. So he's not a NASCAR driver or a soccer player or a major league baseball infielder. <laughs> oh, so uh let's 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 get serious here for a second though, fellas, because as I was uh, mentioning earlier, this is the uh one year anniversary of the death of the murder of uh, George Floyd and his murder at the hands of officer Derek Chauvin led to protests and led to this awakening in America about race. And, and we saw it all last summer. And so, you know, a year after George Floyd and also coming up on a year of what we went through last summer, where do you guys think we are? right now as a country when it comes to race and then Chris, we can start with you being, you know, the political scientist of the three of us. Like where, where do you think we are right now in 2021 when it um, comes to race relations in America? I think we, I think it's always going to just be a work in, in progress. I mean, you know, a lot of things that um, we've made a lot of retrogressive moves and, but we've made some positive moves as well. Like, I mean, We've got schools um, across the country, uh, universities that want to get rid of um, critical race theory <laughs> as a subject. Um, and this is, you know, it's, it's kind of embarrassing um, if you're in that field, but it's also just kind of shows you how little people know about, you know, things about race and stuff in, in, in critical race theory, because if you knew anything about it, you that wouldn't be something that wouldn't be a go-to move it's just any it seems like these people hear the word critical and they just get offended um and i think that everything in this country um it it's it's just about like these like many moves to get to a greater uh Place than we are, than we're at, right? Um, and um, it just, to me, it's just a sign you have to fight harder for what you believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it does feel good to have a lot of um, allies coming out in public, but if, but at the same time, it feels bad that we've got a lot of like bad faith political actors who want to do all this voter suppression stuff and mm. just just things of that nature that don't make you feel good. But I, like I say all the time, man, if you don't take the process seriously, you know, these kind of things will happen. And, um, you know, the these the, the world of politics, the the political infrastructure is going to move along with or without us. That's just the bottom line, man. We're either a part of it or we're not a part of it. And if mm. we're not a part of it, you can't complain when, well, you can complain. I don't want to say go that far, but <laughs> when, when things like this happen, it's a result of, um, you know, just not, doing what we need to do. And I hate it has to be this way too. I, I really do hate that the pressure has to be on, you know, all the minorities in this country mm -hmm. to, you know, 
put forth change, but you know, that's just how it's how it is at the moment, man. I, I hate to, you know, we, we can't fall asleep at the will ever. That's just not something we we have the luxury of doing. No, um, yeah. And and I would I would say, Chris, like I, I agree with what you're saying, there, man. Because like I feel like you know it's an old trope, it's an old adage, but for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And last year we saw how people responded to the death of George Floyd and how like in the middle of a pandemic, it's like, nah, man, it's not again. There's too much. You've gone too far. Like we've been known this is happening. We've been talking about this happening. We've been trying to get this, get this thing fixed, but you're not working with us. So we got to talk a little bit louder now and make sure that you're hearing us. And I feel like the response from, you know, the Republicans, and let's just put it out there, the Republicans, like they, we, we, we titularly we have two parties in this country, but really, like we got one grown-up party, and we've got another party that is run by people that don't use critical thinking. Marcus Vandenberg, I just put it like that. Uh, and so, I think we've made progress in a sense. Like there's been steps, but it's like for every two steps we take forward, we take a step back or a step to the side, and there's always going to be this opposition in the fiber of America. I think that is against seeing true equality, seeing black people being allowed to, you know, live just as, as, as free as anybody else. Um, you know, we, and again, this year in 2021 marks, we've seen violence against our Asian brothers and sisters and violence against our Jewish brothers and sisters. And, and it feels like, we're at a really critical point right now when it comes to race relations in America. Uh, so, so just kind of, what are your thoughts, man, on on the last year and and where we're at today uh, on that topic? Um, I think Chris mentioned uh, sort of about the onus being on on us when it comes mm-hmm. to a lot of this, and I think because of that, the last year has been hard on a lot of us. And I think we're done. We're just tired. Like it's, yeah. I think we, you know, prior to May 25th, 2020, I think we're all sort of, I think accustomed to whatever racism that we would deal with on a daily basis. And not that there was a certain comfort level, but I think we sort of knew what to expect. We knew what the game was. Yeah, we knew what the game was. But then since then, it seems like, now it's on us to all of a sudden fix the problem right. of a country that has been the, the country was established on the bats of slaves. So mm-hmm. the idea of all of a sudden after a year, this, this problem being fixed is just ridiculous. And then what ends up happening is you're putting the work on the people that are being oppressed to say, Hey, this is your, this is your job to, to fix everything. And it's not, that's not fair. No, um, we we didn't sign up for this. So yeah. the last year, I think, has been frustrating in that sense of. Yes, I'm glad people are more aware and in tune of of some of the the things that go on, but mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I don't know if if asking us to fix the problem is the right solution either. No, and it's not. Real, real <laughs> quick, uh, 
uh, before we go back to you, Chris, I want to I want to hit Marcus uh, again uh, because I think something that I that did bring me joy over the past year was the way that our athletes got into this fight, and particularly you know your your beat the beat that you cover when you talk about the NBA and the WNBA, and I think like one of my favorite moments of last year besides uh, Trump losing was. Uh, in the Georgia special election when you had Warnock and Ossoff. And a lot of credit, I think, to those victories got it has to be given to the WNBA and what those players did in Georgia. And so uh, just from that sports perspective, particularly looking at basketball, uh, what have you seen as the role of sports when it comes to uh, the, this continued fight for equality and, and freedom? Yeah, I think athletes have definitely um, felt entitled to speak up and speak out and not stick to sports, as cliche as that sounds. On the flip side, I do wonder if that is going to, I guess, hurt them in the, in the long term in terms of viewers and overall sort of interest. I mean, I think if you – there's definitely a segment of the population that – turned off sports in the last year and not because of COVID, mm. but because sports wasn't just about the sports. It was also about the, the political side, the mm-hmm. racist, the racism that they were facing, just the, the culture, all of it. And there was, you know, no way to escape that. So yes, I do think that there's an impact there. And I, I think if you ask athletes, they could care less if, if people are are tuning out because of that very reason. But I do think that it does have an impact. And, um, you know, I'm very... The women, especially in the WNBA, don't get enough credit for what they, what they did and how they directly impacted, you know, a political race. Yeah. And, you know, for... As many people that that cracked on the lead for the ratings, and you know, who, you know, who watches women's sports? Well, clearly, people do watch women's sports, and if you don't believe that, you just look at the results of that Georgia election, and you can see the impact of one professional league can have in terms of a, a political race. I mean, Warnock was not even in Georgia; he wasn't a, like a household name, and to to elevate him in the span of, you know, less than a year for him to become a, a national name like that. I mean, that, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So I think, um, you know, you bring up a good point in terms of, yeah, some people are going to be turned off, but you know, that's, that's why you, you people, what do you mean? You people, that's why you people have Will Kane and <laughs> your man Clay <laughs> Travis to listen to. That's, that's for y'all. Uh, and, and- Real quick, Chris, uh, before we go to you for your final thoughts on this, yeah. shout out to Jermaine who said, uh, uh, yeah, progress can't be stopped. It can be slowed down, but it can't be stopped. Uh, always forward, as Luke Cage would say. Uh, so shout out to Jermaine. Uh, Chris, uh, final thoughts on this topic as we reflect on both the, the murder, uh, the senseless murder of George Floyd and, and what it meant and what it, it has meant and will continue to mean uh, to this country going forward, man. Right. I, I want people to understand that um, the George Floyd um, murder 
it means that we are not sleeping at the will anymore. And people are taking we're we're taking things seriously. And I want the I want people to understand that. And as much as we complain about having this burden on us to like be catalysts for changing and moving forward, all those Republicans who are trying to voter suppressed, they are, that's a big burden and weight they're trying to do as well, you know, and the difference between them and us is they are willingly and happily doing whatever they can to suppress the, the vote and make their people happy. So, you know, our part is just kind of just staying engaged, you know, um, and just making sure that we don't let that happen. It's two kind of warring sides against each other, you know, and just kind of, you know, keep your ear to the pavement and pay attention to what's going on. Paying attention isn't that hard to do. Um, and that's like just half the battle. So um, I think we'll be fine. Um, I think that um, as long as we just, you know, keep having dialogue and talking to people and, you know, understand that, you know, you can't change everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really shouldn't even be the goal. The goal is to talk to people that are willing to listen. Yep. Build a coalition of the willing. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that, you know, this has been a, like we could, we could be talking about this for a minute, fellas, because again, this is something that, all three of us and, and a lot of our listeners have been dealing with for our entire lives. And, and so uh, I do think it like, we, we, we got to keep doing our part, but the other side's got to do their part too. And, and to like, I know we got some conservative listeners out there and, and I appreciate y'all for listening to the show, but what I'm saying is what we are all saying is you got to do the work too. Like if, if you're out here saying like, well, you know, these Republicans trying to suppress votes, they don't speak for me. Marjorie Taylor Greene with her little crazy ass, she don't speak for me. Then you got to speak for yourself, man. And and then so yeah, we y'all got to do some work too. We got to do some work. Everybody got to do some work. And then you know, progress can start to be made in this in this country. Here's uh, the thing: if if you if the Republicans weren't so damn racist, they could they could control the election. Yep. But they can't. They can't help it. They they can't. the L.A. Clippers, man. They look. They the Clippers. Donald Trump, honestly, like, and I hate to say this because some some of the listeners out there gonna be like, "What are you talking about, Nate?" Donald Trump should be the president right now, like, because Chris, we talked about it on the Twin Twin Twin. Like, man had it all set up to 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 take the championship, to take the chip. Like, with, especially with COVID, man. Like, had he handled COVID right, he would have beat that, Uncle that Joe. Was, that was his his nine eleven moment. He could have, the same way people embraced Bush, you yep. know, Bush, out of that, and you know, granted, when I was you know, eighteen in two thousand one, I wasn't thinking about politics the way I do now. So when I saw George Bush, I wasn't thinking, oh, Republican, you know, whatever. Um, that could have been his moment, and yep. despite the the three years of just utter chaos and 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 garbage leading up to it if he were able to figure out the vaccine situation and to not get hundreds of thousand americans killed 
and just and be compa- be a human being. Show be, compassion. Be a, yeah, be a yeah. Don't don't be whatever whatever gimmick he's living. If he could just drop the gimmick and actually pretend to give a fuck about people, he could have been brother. He could he could have yeah, but who you are yeah so on that note uh yeah like we we all just got to keep moving forward together uh r.i.p to george floyd uh you know your 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 death won't be in vain brother uh before we get out of here chris where can the people hear more from you okay chris i hear being his own director fixing his camera shot chris where can (laughs) the people hear from you on, on these podcast streets and uh don't spill the beans on something that we working on, but uh, let uh, them know if you got. To, okay, I was yeah. about to. Sp- All right, thank you. Because <laughs> it, it, it oh, hadn't yeah, been yeah. hadn't been publicly announced yet, but if you got something else you want to promote, let them know, brother. Uh, I'm just um, when our thing happens, that's when I'll make my announcement uh, for <laughs> for my the new podcast that I got coming up. So um, okay. It's just right now I'm just trying to get back into like you know when you're like this pandemic has made me so lazy, so just not <laughs> want to do anything. Like I wake up, I, I eat, I eat, watch TV, and go back to bed and r- wash, rinse, repeat. So um, I'm um, looking forward to what we got going on. Chris out here and, living like Jody from Baby Boy. <laughs> right, yeah, man. As you know, Jody. he's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a, a stepfather walking around naked in my crib. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but <laughs> at my age, um, I would deserve to get smacked upside the head too for, for, for being that. But. Um, yeah, man, I'm just um, looking forward to to life. I'm I'm going back to the gym again. I'm doing yoga again. Okay. I'm active and um, working on my dissertation. And um, I've got you know this podcasting space now. So um, you know when we make our announcement, then you know you guys will I will uh, rain down more announcements. So. Okay. Chris, I hear making moves. Two questions for you, Kami. Yeah. One. At what point do you start thinking about the 2022 midterms in terms of sort of You got to think about it now uh, because <laughs> uh, and I'm working for um uh, Brandon Mosley who's running um in district 42 in California. So vote Brandon Mosley if you live in Riverside County. But you got to think about it now. Um you really do. You 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 cannot waste time with this, man. Um because they are trying everything to make sure that we do not get to vote. Um, the guy that we're um, running against in um, District 42, Cal- uh, Ken Calvert, um, I already see him kind of making moves to where if Brandon wins, he's going to try to stay, say that the vote was stolen. So we're 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 competing against absolute nonsense and uh, dumb fuckery. It's, it just is what it is. So you gotta be thinking about it now. Number two, if SummerSlam ends up in Vegas, are you going? I'm fully <laughs> vaccinated. Okay, got that moment. Yeah, WWE is just. 
if 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 you you're, not, know, you're, not, you're not doing you're not doing for the product. You're doing for the spectacle and Vegas of it all. You're right. not going to actually it, watch the wrestling. If you go, Marcus, I will uh, make an effort to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my final answer. To the right. tables if, a turn. Uh, and, and if the uh, the dudes, uh, what's my man's names? Um, I'm not. I'm blanking on their name. If they're they live in Vegas. Oh, Andreas, Andreas and Carol. Andreas yeah. and yeah, if they're there. I'll um, you know, I'll be there. If, if there's someone's throwing a party with some free barbecue or something, <laughs> holler at me. I'll, I'll I'll be on the first thing spoken. Free barbecue. Uh, uh, Marcus Vandenberg, what you got going on besides uh covering the NBA and 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 uh, looking out for your nephew Trey Young on these streets, brother? Uh, that is my life for the next uh, two months. And then we get into Olympics. Uh, you can find me on social media at Marco Will, M-A-R-C-O-W-I-L-L. Good stuff, brother. And you can find me on Twitter at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. If you like what you're hearing and seeing right now, uh, you can get more of that on the Patreon. $5 gets you in the door. Uh, we won't stop you if you want to pay more. Uh, you can also check out this week. So tomorrow night, got a very special edition of the Black Lightning Podcast uh, coming on tomorrow night, Wednesday, uh, May 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Black is Lightning this, had is a series. Episode? Is this the birthday episode? For Brittany? Oh, for Brittany? <laughs> Oh, that that's good. That's a good question. Like, will Brittany be hung over for this podcast? Who knows? We we've all been in various states of uh, awareness, shall I say, on, on the Black Lightning podcast. That's what we do. Uh, but yeah, Black Lightning had a season finale or series finale on oh. Monday. Uh, yeah, they got canceled prematurely. Uh, much like Luke Cage, I don't know what's the common denominator between these two shows getting canceled early. Just gonna let that. Hang out there in the in the air, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Black Lightning got canceled prematurely, so they had their series finale Monday. So we're doing a live show tomorrow night to uh, talk about it, and we'll be taking uh, live feedback from the viewers. So uh, if you're interested in in the CW superhero shows, you can check that out. Uh, the there's a link on my Twitter page uh, to the live show, so that that should be fun. Uh, I got the Rocky Mavia picture show on post wrestling. Uh, the latest episode, me and Brian Mann talked about the rock hosting Saturday night live. Uh, and there's also a special mystery project that, that may be coming your way or at least be announced here pretty soon. Um, let's see anything else. I got the main event over at place to be nation. I think this week we're going to be previewing the, uh, AW show. Um, see anything else there's probably something else there but uh i can't think of it right now but if you want more of me just check me out on twitter at in the number eight m-o-z-a-i-k so uh unless you brothers have anything else we we gonna get out of here man is this the the final black lightning podcast though are you guys deciding how to yeah what we're gonna do we're gonna do a live show tomorrow and then uh the following week or Soon thereafter, we're going to do one big series recap. Okay. Uh, and that'll be like the goodbye for the Black Lightning podcast with myself, uh, birthday girl, Brittany Monet, uh, 
Clement Bryant and Vanessa Shark, who Vanessa Shark's been on the Kings yeah, of Sport. Yeah, when we yeah. did our po- political episode. Oh, with Cam. Are you guys doing going to do a Naomi uh, podcast or uh, painting? Yes, there is a Naomi podcast coming for, uh, for, for on the network. Uh, we don't know the details yet, uh, but uh, yeah, Andy B, who is the head of the DC TV podcast network, he's working on that because yeah, Ava DuVernay's got a superhero show coming out now, Marcus. Okay, uh, on what, the CW. What, uh, CW, huh? Yep. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, man. So uh, it's a lot of a lot of look. One black show ends, so another black show can rise. Know, right? Circle alive. <laughs> the networks is like we can only have one at a time. One day. One day, one day, one day, the CWB all black people shows. <laughs> uh, it'll turn back into the uh, the WB. WB with the the the, the Wayne's Brothers Network. Frog. Yep, yeah. the, the racist frog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome Michigan, back, Michigan J. Yeah, Michigan <laughs> Gay, Mich- Michigan J. <laughs> That was a, that was a legitimate mistake, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Michigan J Frogs. I'm a hello, my baby. <laughs> that that racist, that racist uh, mascot. But uh, yeah, so that's gonna do it. That's, that's the wrap for this show, man. Hope everybody had a good time this week. We had some fun. Talked some NBA. Uh, talked about that Kwame Brown situation. Talked about Mama's the real cooking. world. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back next. Not next week. Um, the week probably the week after um marcus and i were talking before the show about our the frequency of our recordings and listen how we're right. getting close to episode 300 out here we are we are now after this episode what nine away yep this is 290 this is 290 um uh next june 1st um yeah, June eighth. <laughs> I only say that because we'll know we'll we'll be out of the first round of the playoffs by June eighth. Yeah, June eighth, and then that that so. sets us up perfectly because then the next show after that would be like Juneteenth weekend. <laughs> also, Father's Day weekend. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Shout out to shout out to Simba, young young Simba out here taking all these trips to Disney World, <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, did we? No, we didn't. No. How well was it? It was um, it was fun. It's Chris. You don't strike me as a Disneyland person. Am I correct? Not not as much anymore. But you know, when I used like my ex used to love going there. uh, (laughs) I I understand why you might not want to go now. I was like, Chris Chris got all these bad memories with Disney. Yeah, I understand. Um, It's a small world after all. Just just like my world was when you left me, girl. <laughs> All I uh, want to do is take you to Space Mountain. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, so many directions to go from there. Yes, <laughs> but, but y'all had, y'all had a good time. Yeah, it was pretty empty. It's we're only at twenty five percent capacity. It's only for allegedly residents of California, but there's no <laughs> there's no way to verify that since they're not asking for No, it's not checking. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was my first time sort of doing rides at Disneyland since July of 2019. So it's been almost two years Mm. because of, you know, 
having a son and then the pandemic um and you know the park was closed for over a year which was crazy to think about but um yeah it felt like it felt like the disneyland of old cool cool yeah that one of these days i'll get back out there and we can we can go I to disneyland you, markets if you if you come out for wrestlemania in in 2023 yeah um, that because that'll probably be the next time i head out to la would be for that wrestlemania which might may or may not be around our 10th anniversary for the kings of sport yeah we, we will do we will do a live podcast from from disneyland Yes, <laughs> we will bring the equipment and we will, we will find a a semi quiet location. Get a get a live interview with Mickey. Yes, yeah, we could go where they used to film uh, or where they used to screen uh, Captain EO. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's the thing, right? Because Marcus and Mickey would get along good, but I would mess up the whole interview because my first two questions would be what what happened to Captain EO and. Why y'all ain't put Song of the South on Disney Plus? They'd be like, no comments. Well, you, I mean, you know, you know oh what happened God. to Captain EO. Yeah, yeah, we know, and, and we know, and we know where to find Song of the South if we actually want to buy it on these yes. Southern I, Heritage sites. When I was in first grade, I remember people complaining about us watching Song of the Song of the South back then. I was in first grade in 1987, <laughs> and people were complaining about Song of the South back then. So, <laughs> was this in Tennessee or out here? This was in LA. This was in okay. LA, High Park Elementary School. Hmm. Yeah, well, one of these days, maybe that's something we'll do in our 10th anniversary year, Mark. It's like long-term booking. Like we need to do a live watch. Like we'll we'll find some. P.O. box that we can get this Southern Heritage site to ship us the DVD to? Listen, as, as long as my, I'm not giving my money to a racist, then we're good. We have no <laughs> Someone who's on the up and up, a Disney fan yes. who, actually, who has it for the right reasons, not because of... <laughs> what are the right reasons to have Song of the South? <laughs> the music. I'm sure the music uh, is great. I'm, I'm sure that if you go to... You, a, you can a, buy a Zippity Doodah on iTunes, Marcus. Yeah, you can go to a library and <laughs> And I'm sure Microfish or something, you know, they will have Song Microfish. of the South. Yeah, they're, 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 Song of the South won't be hard to find, I don't think. No. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is this has been a good show, fellas, uh, complete with one of the longest outros we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another edition of the world's most dangerous sports show, the Kings of Sport Podcast. So, for Marcus Vandenberg, this way for Marcus Vandenberg, for the professor Chris Ely, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. Reporting live from the Kings of Sport podcast, Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. <laughs> it's a visual joke for those watching the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been down with the Kings. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Kings of Sport. Be sure to come back next week for an all-new episode. You can leave feedback for the show on Twitter at KOS underscore POD or via Gmail at thekingsofsport at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and rate us on iTunes and tell a friend. The Kings of Sport is a production of the Mosaic Podcast Network. Whether you like it or not, he's bad. D-A-double-D-Y, that's ass.
tank like I just left. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna leave it all on the mat. Cause that's what I do when I get it done so I can do it. Yeah! I'm on a new level. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Thanks for the foot loan, IRL Marshawn. No problem, tiny virtual Marshawn.